Hello college coaches, welcome back to the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. I'm just back from my travels. I was in Wisconsin and Oklahoma City for the very first D2 Indoor National Championships. Um, it was really wonderful to hear from so many coaches that they are engaging with this podcast and listening. I figured nobody was listening to it, so it's really cool to get that feedback after 10 episodes. So I will definitely continue to do it. I kind of set the goal to do 10, see how it goes, see what feedback we get. Um, But uh, I'm committed to sticking with it and uh, please um, continue to engage with it. So today I'm talking with Sylvie Tennessee, who's the head men's coach at Cornell. Um, In this conversation, we discuss Sylvie's journey from Romania to the USA, his time on the WTA tour, his approach to learning and networking, which I think all coaches need to hear, why he turned down his dream job, and what lessons he has learned to date in his young head coaching career. So I definitely believe it's a must lesson for all coaches, but um, especially for young international coaches hoping to make a career as a college tennis coach. I think this would have been a very beneficial uh, conversation for me to hear at age uh, 24 when I first got into this profession. So I hope you enjoy. Silvio, welcome to the ITA Tennis Coaches podcast. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's absolute, an absolute pleasure. Thank oh, you. Okay, great. Well, I'm uh, obviously we we go way back, Silvio, and and uh, spent a lot of time together at the University of Oklahoma, and we've gone in different directions, but we we've stayed in touch through the years, and it's it's been really cool to uh, watch your transition from assistant coach to a head coach at Cornell, and and now. Uh, I just had a great weekend. You're you're ranked 16 in the country. Is that one of the highest rankings in in program history? There thereabouts. I believe so. I believe so. I I be honest. I'm I'll be honest with you. I'm not certain exactly what was the the highest one. I actually was going to talk to our SID later today, but I believe it's one of the highest ones. So okay. we're certainly excited about that. Uh, we we understand it's early in the, the season, premature from our end to, to get overly excited about this, but mm-hmm. but certainly it's a, it's a positive sign and I think we're, we're certainly heading in the right direction. Okay, great. Well, on this podcast, I don't get into any kind of recruit talk or recruits, recruit speak, so we're, we're not going to talk about results a whole lot, but but I'm obviously happy for you and your your progress. But I really, you. you know, with this, with this podcast, uh, my goal is over the course of, of a few years to be able to cover you know every coaching situation every background obviously both of us are are international coaches and and or or i was an international coach you 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 are uh, an international citizen coaching at cornell right now but you know there's there's so many college players that that are from all over the world but there's very few head coaches that are are uh, have an international background so my, my hope is that with this conversation we can speak a little bit to that that audience you know there's i think there's a lot of uh, assistant coaches out there right now that have an international background and and maybe um your experiences can help uh let them know how they can progress in this profession so that's my hope so i'm, I'm gonna shut up here and just start asking questions so um so you were born and raised in romania and uh can you tell me a little bit um why and when you started considering college tennis in america 
Sure. Um, so as I think it was around uh, 17, when I was 17 years old, um, the opportunities were um, very limited financially for me to continue to, to play tennis at the high level. I, I love the sport. I, I wanted to, to, to develop and I wanted to progress and I wanted the chance to, to play professionally, professionally eventually. And um, Romania and certainly my family, I, I come from a fairly modest background, could not, could not afford to, to support that, that dream. So I've heard from several of uh, my friends at the time that there is this opportunity and possibility of, of continuing the tennis at the high, a very high level while also obtaining uh, an education. So uh, I became uh, increasingly interested in, in that option. So I've, I've started to do some, some research on my own and, and um, I've realized that this, this could be certainly a, a, a great fit for my future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so how did you end up at the University of Oklahoma? Uh, well, there's a, a funny story. I mean, I, I've, uh, bear in mind that I, I think the first time I saw a computer in my life was when I was 18 <laughs> years old. So computers just, just came into being at, at that point. Um, and I've done a lot of, there were internet cafes. I remember this vividly and that I would, I would go and I would do research. I, I didn't know how to type. I would only use two thumbs, uh, <laughs> my, my, my index fingers to, to type. And it took me <laughs> and an hour to write one email. Mm. Uh, and then I would just, uh, I, I, I started to do my research, you know, trying to, to see what, you know, what was the, you know, the rankings, what schools were in division one. And, um, I wanted to see the rosters and the type of players they had. So, um, and I eventually I ended up writing to numerous coaches uh, in the country and uh, trying to share with them my resume like many many players do to 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 this day and mm -hmm. um i was hoping to have a chance to to talk to to one of them and and explain to them about who i was and 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 to see if there was any opportunity for me to to be part of their school so i I was very fortunate at the time. There was a, a Romanian assistant coach at Oklahoma who was uh, coaching both the men and the women's team, uh, Raluca Gheorghe, who, mm -hmm. who was instrumental in, in, in um, getting to Oklahoma. I, I originally got to Louisiana at Monroe. I went there for a year. They mm -hmm. offered me a, a, a good good scholarship, and um, I was uh, in, the, in a position where they they shut down the program after my first my freshman year. And then I, I ended up transferring to, to Oklahoma where I initially wanted to go to, but I couldn't afford financially because they, they couldn't offer me a, a full scholarship at the time. Right. Okay. And do you remember your first email address? <laughs> uh, I do. I do remember. It was a Yahoo email address. Oh, I was going to guess <laughs> a Hotmail. I, <laughs> I, had, uh, I had a Yahoo email address and, and um, yeah, I still remember the... I think it's DSL or wherever the system was like through the phone system that it took at least five or 10 <laughs> minutes to actually get connected to, to, right. to internet. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, we won't go down that road. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you didn't know a whole lot about college athletics or college tennis coaching, just like myself before coming to the USA. But at what point in your college tennis career did you think this, you know, college coaching might be in your future, or did you even think it was a possibility? 
Certainly. Well, I, I, I love uh, tennis and I, I wanted initially, my initial uh, goal was to, to play professional tennis. And I, I realized uh, my level was not strong enough to, to play at that level. And uh, I knew I wanted to be in, in the world of sports and especially in the world of tennis. And, and consequently, the, um, the next best option for me was to coach. And I've actually studied uh, psychology with the intent of uh, you know, choosing a major that would help me uh, pursue my 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 dream of staying in tennis and coaching. Mm-hmm. And then once I once I um, I think I was after my sophomore year that I was at Oklahoma and I completely became in love with with the college system. I I thought it was the absolute the greatest thing uh, that that could happen to to a young person that 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 is ambitious that is driven that, that wants to do something special with their lives and and i saw the opportunities that that were available and i thought this is this is something that i i would do my absolute best to to give myself a chance to pursue it hmm. okay so so after college then i mean you, you did a little bit of coaching i think with a family but then at some point you you started traveling with your wife anda and and on the pro tour with her i think she got to a high of maybe wta 120 or so and won a couple of rounds at the french open but you know but that period of coaching on the pro tour coaching some juniors um being in that world before stepping into college coaching kind of what what did you learn during that time and and are there any lessons that you learned that you still apply to this day to your coaching Sure, sure. Uh, it certainly was one of the most valuable experiences of my uh, of, of my life, just especially as a still starting as a coach. And was many many lessons I think that have been drawn uh, from from that experience. Um, one of them, and I think the the most important one, is just uh, being, being purposeful with 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 everything you do. Um, we were both myself and Anda were uh, limited. We had some support financially, but we had to, to make the most out of every single dime we had. And um, we knew, I mean, she had uh, a certain age. We knew the window was, was uh, finite and we had to make the most of, of it at, at that very moment. So being incredibly purposeful with, with the tournament schedule, with the training, uh, with her nutrition, I, I, I just realized how every single element and detail uh, brought brought value to the overall mm-hmm. goal and so that that certainly was the the main lesson that i got from from my experience with her and the second one i think was just the the compound effect of doing the little things right on a daily basis and um it was you know i've always dreamed about uh, coaching at a professional level but um i've i've actually experienced the value of of doing things right consistently on a daily basis then like i i didn't know that before i didn't mm-hmm. do that as a player myself um i tried to to instill those those values in 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 my training and my teachings with Anda, and, and then seeing the the progress she's made and seeing her being so consistent with with her preparation and her approach and and seeing the the compound effect of that, you know, six months later, eight months later, was something that was incredibly rewarding and and very very uh, uh, I, I thought valuable for for my future career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, was that influenced as well a little bit by the Slight Edge book? I think you introduced me to that book by Jeff Olson. Do you remember that book? 
Certainly, certainly. Yeah. I, I I do remember that book. I I recommended that book to so many so yeah. many people because I I think it's it it literally exemplifies like it it just captures this 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 um this uh, experience that I had with uh, with Anda and mm-hmm. I've heard the same lesson you know as as an assistant for for John Roddick uh, at Oklahoma like I've heard the same same lessons being said in a different way but with the same value mm. and um it's certainly i think it's a, it's an incredible book i would recommend it to everyone for yeah, sure definitely so then how did you then make your way into college coaching from there what what was kind of the the trigger or the impetus to to get into college coaching it kind of kind of randomly happened right it wasn't something that was necessarily planned certainly um so i i knew it just to to have a chance to coach into college uh, was incredibly hard and incredibly competitive. And uh, you mentioned it earlier, just being an international, uh, I, I knew there were there was an uphill battle, there was an uh, an upstream fight in, in in getting that chance and getting that opportunity. So um, I didn't I didn't know if I had if I was going to get that that chance uh, early on after I uh, I mean. In my senior year, I was planning on on doing a master's. I was even contemplating the idea of doing a PhD in, in, in industrial and organizational psychology, with the hope that if I won't get a chance into college coaching, I I will still have a chance to um, you know to have a, a job in 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 US um, with something uh, like performance related, like enhancement performance related. Mm-hmm. And I just had I had an incredible amount of luck by uh, you know with the Oklahoma position actually op- opening up and um, Coach uh, Paul Lockwood that uh, was the head coach at the time just giving me a call and, and asking me if I was interested in the position and and I remember this that call to this day I I think if you would have offered me a uh, hundred dollars I would have taken the job <laughs> on the spot mm-hmm. so I was I was thrilled. I loved I loved Oklahoma. I loved the uh, college tennis, and and to have a chance to, you know, to be an assistant coach, uh, you know, so early in in my career was was just an amazing opportunity. In- incredibly fortunate, just mm-hmm. very very fortunate. Yeah, yeah, no, and and there's no doubt you took full advantage of that opportunity, and and was so impressed with you when I, when I landed in Oklahoma, and just your your commitment to all aspects of the job, and your commitment to your players was just off the charts, and and uh, you're, you're very inspiring to be around. But you know, as you were making your way through the early days uh, as a, as a college coach, you 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 obviously understood recruiting pretty well, and and uh, obviously with your your international connections, you, you were able to take advantage of those. But not not everybody does, and and so. Um, firstly, how many languages do you speak, Silvio? I know you speak Italian, Romanian, obviously English. Are there others? English. <laughs> I, I mean, I can understand a little bit of French and, and Spanish, but I, I'm not fluent in them. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't claim that I, I do speak them. And then the, the three languages is just, you know, through, through uh, sheer uh, fortune of living in, mm-hmm. in those countries. So I was, I, I lived for two years in Italy, so I, I had yeah. a chance to. To learn the language, yes. Yeah. So ha- has that has that been a, an advantage for you speaking other languages? And and would you ever recommend to coaches to learn a second language to help with with international recruiting? Is that anything you've you've recommended to coaches at any time? 
I, I certainly was hopeful, of hopeful that my, my Italian would, would help me, but I've never had an Italian player in my, <laughs> my coaching career uh, this far. So uh, yeah. uh, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would recommend it. I think it, it's not something that I put too much emphasis. Um, obviously, you know, my Romanian background, then we've, we've had several guys at, at Oklahoma. We've had several guys um, here at Cornell. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that certainly helps. Um, I think there is um, the language is, is some is obviously a common denominator, but but it's also the the background. I think that that I can certainly relate to and mm-hmm. um, and, and makes I think makes things a lot easier maybe in, in the recruiting process when there's so many unknowns mm-hmm. uh, from you know from coming from overseas. And I, I remember myself and outside of the of the internet there is there's very little um awareness of what what college tennis entails and i think i didn't know at the time there were 260 schools in division one and there was such a big you know discrepancies between what what each what each school can offer from you know an academic standpoint from an athletic standpoint from a location standpoint and Mm -hmm. cultural standpoint so um yeah it's just there's there's things that that i did not know and and Certainly, I remember communicating with with uh, Raluca Gheorghe at, at Oklahoma, and uh, the fact that she spoke Romanian, and the fact she she explained to me uh, how things worked. It, it certainly it certainly was helpful, and okay. and certainly brought the sense of of comfort. Mm. Yeah, because that that was going to be my next question. Because sometimes I'm not sure um, if it helps or hurts. I, I think sometimes. Uh, you know, especially, and this may have changed in, in the last few decades. I might be generalizing here, but I think sometimes um, people in Europe were were really impressed if someone from America came over in their, you know, their shiny tracksuit and, you know, their hat from their college, and it's like, oh, here's here's an American. They must must know way more about tennis than than uh, this Irish guy or this Romanian guy or or whoever it is. It was that like the USA was the the holy grail and and um, they're so far ahead in in all aspects of say coaching and things like that um but but you're saying that no that the comfort level kind of outweighed the 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 flash or the intrigue of of somebody from being from america i i think so as, uh, as far as i mean from my personal experience that that has been the case mm-hmm. um there has been there has been exceptions no no doubt about that i think there's certain elitist uh, people and perspectives that maybe will um, will disconsider that you know the the relatable aspect of you know let's say me being Romanian mm. with with my with in my dealings in in Romania but um, I think for the most part what I found is that uh, players and and their families do do appreciate I think they 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 understand better what what the system is about when when we we share the common the common background that's mm. that's, that's been my experience okay and would you say or, or do you know if you're the first foreign born head coach in in ivy league tennis do you have any sense of where you sit and- i i do not do not know if yeah. that's the case. I'll I'll, p- I'll be honest with you. I haven't. I I can't say I've paid attention to that. Uh, yeah. I, I I just don't know. I honestly do not know. Yeah, it, it would be interesting uh, 
just you know we we traditionally just the, the ivy league I, I think in our heads we think would be very even more traditional and and uh may not be open to an international coach but but uh, my sense is you you've broken down those those barriers a little bit and and uh so if you are a trailblazer well well done on setting setting the standard but uh, we can look into that some more but but would you say you're being a foreign coach with with a foreign accent has uh, has it ever impacted your ability to recruit Americans? Do you think? Uh, I I hope not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although um, my my accent came came as it was a subject of conversation many times in, in my recruiting uh, uh, dealings, but I think uh, certainly like. Being at Cornell now, I, I, I want to believe that what we're offering um, to, to prospects is uh, it's something that goes way beyond my background, my personal background. And it's something that is so you know, transformative and so powerful that goes way, way beyond who I am and where, where I'm coming from. Um, if, if that has been a, a hindrance, uh, it's hard to tell. I, right. I guess no one has, has ever told me that. <laughs> Said it to uh, your face. <laughs> straight, straight to me. That hasn't been brought up. But right. um, again, I, I just, I always felt, uh, even when I was at Oklahoma, I felt like the what we had to offer was was something so so special and mm-hmm. um for i guess different from a different standpoint um i i feel the same about what we what we're offering to to the players right now at cornell so i i certainly wanted to i wanted to believe that 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 goes far beyond mm-hmm. who, who sure. i am and again my, my background yeah yeah and, I, and I, I would hope so as well just just interested to get your perspective on it and and uh i wonder if other coaches have have you know similar experience i i hope that they do and especially in this day and age but my next question is is about networking and and how you kind of developed your your network as a as a international coach um but uh i don't know if you remember this silvio um many years ago I, I don't know what year it was uh it was i believe when you first got the cornell job and you were in your first year and i was down at the coaches convention in naples and you slept on my floor for a night so that you could get breakfast with brian boland uh, because he had like a 25 minute window where he could fit you in and you drove, I don't know how many hours. And, but, 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 you know, again, I, I'm not sure many coaches uh, or human beings are, are willing to go the, that extra mile. And, and, you know, so that, that's, that's just one story and, and you can elaborate on that, but I, I'm interested to know how you went about developing your, your coaching network that allowed you to be in a position to be strongly considered and then ultimately get the job, head coaching job at Cornell. Um, yeah, look, to be honest, I, I never, I never looked at, I always heard this, this concept of networking and, and I, I never understood that concept. I never, I, I never pursued just the, the, the concept of, of networking alone. My goal was to, to coach eventually in college tennis. And I, and I knew in order for me to, to have that opportunity, I needed to, to become better. I needed to, to become a better coach. And, 
And in order for me to become a better coach, I needed to learn from, from the better coaches, mm-hmm. the best coaches in the country. So, um, it, and it started with my idea of coming, coming to us, you know, like I, I felt like it was just a, uh, an idea based on meritocracy. And, and I love this concept of, of putting work, putting hard work and then being rewarded for it on, on merit. And, mm-hmm. and I thought if, if I wanted to be a, a head coach, I just needed to, to learn and, and become a better coach. And so Brian Bowen, certainly, uh, one of my mentors and one of the, the, the coaches that I've reached out to in, in numerous cases, and I wanted to learn, I knew the, the, the exceptional program that he ran at Virginia. And, and I was, um, I was very, very interested to, to learn about every every facet of how how he's you know running the program and um, there's been you know uh, Steve Denton there's been uh, Peter Smith there's been uh, Team Siegel uh, Matt Canal uh, Josh Goffey uh, Chuck Creasy uh, yourself I mean I, I wanted when you came I remember when you came to Oklahoma at first like I wanted to talk to you as many times as I had a chance to and. And I, I knew about your success at Northwestern and, and how successful you guys were there. And you guys were number one in the country. And, uh, and I wanted to learn, like, how, how, how does uh, an elite program, how, how do they train? How do they, uh, you know, what, what type of schedule they, they organize? But how do they manage the players? What, what's the communication like? So I, I wanted to learn every single element of what it, what it means to, what it entails to, be, to become a coach and a head coach. And, and so I reached out to to the coaches that I had respect for and the coaches that, that mm-hmm. were successful and they were doing very well. And and I tried to learn every time I, I could get a chance to talk to them, I, I reached out to them. And I and I knew they were an incredible source of information. And mm-hmm. and I was very fortunate and each each one of them was willing to to give up, you know, twenty minutes or thirty minutes of their time and and I, I got different perspectives and that's one of the things I've learned. Like there wasn't two coaches that, that provided the, the same type of lesson for me. And I remember to this day when I, when I was at Cornell already, I went, I went to Virginia for two days to see, to see them training in preparation of, uh, of, of NCAs. And, and then I went two days at Oklahoma and I wanted to spend some time with John and, and their team and see how they were preparing. And I knew they were, there was a very good chance that they, they might they might see each other in the finals and <laughs> and I got two completely different perspectives and two completely different coaching styles and, and approaches and 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 so, you know sure enough they did play each other in the finals and it was an incredibly mm-hmm. incredibly uh, close close match between them and and I've realized as a coach just how how different different styles can can accomplish great things and it's not just one standard approach uh, to coaching and and yeah i just wanted to 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 learn as much as possible from 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 coaches that i i certainly kept in high regard Mm -hmm. yeah so so the the networking just happened naturally that that was never your intention your intention was to learn from these coaches it wasn't so that one day you hope that they may um you know pick up the phone and call an ad for you or anything like that it was purely I just want to learn as much as I can from this person. Absolutely, and and I think it's, it's in my opinion, if you're genuine, if you're genuine uh, with your intentions, and mm-hmm. if you if you truly want to become a better coach, um, I, I'm sure that that that's going to be, you know, transparent in in your conversation with mm-hmm. uh, with other coaches. And um, if 
you know, down the road, like you, you would need someone's support and, and, and to help you and you can rely on them and, and on your friendship and relationship. Great. You mm-hmm. know, that's, 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 in my opinion, that's a bonus. And, mm-hmm. you know, but also, I mean, the, the most important thing is how can you become a better coach? How can you develop yourself? How can you improve and, and give yourself the chance that, that, you know, you can compete at, at the highest possible level. Oh, that's great advice, Silvio, and and this is episode ten of of the podcast, and and I think just what you've talked about here in the last few minutes is is some of the best advice young coaches can hear. So so thank you for that. And coming back to the 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 job at Cornell, uh, so you were an assistant at, at Oklahoma for how many years, Silvio? Eight for five years. Oh, for five, five years at OU. In five years, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Felt yeah. like eight. Yeah. okay um so you're five years obviously a couple of years under paul lockwood and then um two or three years with with coach roddick yes yeah years with john and three with yeah yeah so obviously when when the cornell job uh came open um you know you you guys had an amazing team at, at ou and and looked like you know, the, the following year, um, yeah, you guys had a, had a chance to win it all. And I know this was a real struggle for you to decide, did you want to stay uh, and, and be the assistant at, at OU for a few more years and, and try and win that national championship with John? Or um, did you want to move on and, and do your own thing? And, and I know it was, it was a real struggle. I know you went back and forth um, with that decision. Um, but ultimately you decided that, that you wanted to do it, but how did you prepare for that job interview and and why do you think you're ultimately successful? Well, um, I tried to, I tried to put a plan together and, um, this is again, uh, it's something that, that came up from, from, from you. I've learned, I've learned this from you. I remember talking to you about your approach from, from your transition from Northwest to Oklahoma. And, uh, I remember, I remember discussing about the interview process and, um, you mentioned that you, you put a plan together and, um, you were kind enough to share that plan with me. And, and I remember I've, uh, I warn you that I will plagiarize a lot of it. <laughs> um, the concept, obviously, it's a different system in, at Cornell than than it than it is than it was at Oklahoma. But um, it were there were some great great pointers in in that plan, and um, I I spent a couple of days like trying to to think in in depth as far as how how did I envision how did I imagine um the cornell tennis program um shaping up and i try to look at uh, your plan and try to to combine my vision with with those pointers and try to put a, put a plan together and um i remember i did uh, i did a mock-up interview with uh, one of the business professors at uh, at oklahoma mm-hmm. i've uh you know it's my my first uh, i think it was my second or third uh head coaching job interview and I really wanted to to do my best I knew this was an Ivy League and um, I, I expected that you know this this is was going to be the most uh, challenging and, and difficult uh, interview of all and I wanted to, to prepare as best as possible and and I did a mock-up interview <laughs> and um, I had you know several conversations I remember with yourself with uh, with John and um, eventually, I think the, the most important thing was was the plan and 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 putting that plan 
uh, having that plan come from within um, and uh, just things that I, I, I remember listing things down there that I truly believed in. And, mm-hmm. and so during the interview process, it was just a matter at, at that point, it was just a matter of me sharing that with, with people. It wasn't about trying to be creative. It wasn't about me trying to, to say something that, that was new or was surprising or was uh, interesting to others. It was just a, an opportunity. I looked at the interview as an opportunity to, to share my, my vision for what I thought Cornell could, uh, could be, you know, as a tennis program. So, um, it, it, you know, strangely enough, I thought the actual, the, the preparation was much, much harder than the actual interview process. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoyed the interview process a lot. Cause again, I felt like this is, this is a chance for me to, to, to share this information with, with other people. And, and I felt comfortable because it was a genuine thing. It mm-hmm. wasn't. It wasn't anything fabricated. Yeah. So you were you were extremely prepared, and uh, there was no surprises that that came your way because of of the preparation that you put in, and you were very clear on on what it is you what messaging you were trying to get across. So you you landed the job. You made the decision that you you were going to move out there and um, become a head coach at, at Cornell. So. What were some of the maybe surprises you encountered in, in the first, I don't know, few months or, or even years of, of making that transition from an assistant coach to a head coach? And then obviously going from a power five to, to an Ivy League, there's obviously differences there that you had to adjust to. But were there were there things that came up that, that maybe surprised you or that were more challenging than you expected? And, and maybe how did you deal with those challenges? Sure. There, there were two things that were um, uh, very challenging at the very, very beginning. Uh, number one was, I think, as an assistant coach, there is a false impression of uh, and and lack of awareness. Even though you you were there, uh, you know, as an assistant coach, you're there as a coach. You communicate with the head coach a lot. You you know what what is happening in the program. But I think there is a lack of awareness as far as the amount of decision. Yeah. that you're actually making and the respo- responsibility that is associated with each of those decisions. And that was, that was uh, very apparent in, in my first couple of weeks here. And, and I realized that every single decision that, that I was about to make uh, made an impact on so many other people than, mm-hmm. than myself. And um, although I was part of, of those conversations at Oklahoma, I, I didn't make ultimately the decisions. John was the one that was making those decisions. And, and I, I and I think I, you know, to, to my fault, I, I think I took those decisions for granted and didn't, didn't realize the, the amount of responsibility that came with each one of them. And, and so that was, that was the first thing. Um, and then the amount of decisions, I think it was <laughs> just the, the responsibility attached and then the amount of decisions that, that came in, Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and being a head coach was um, was a bit at first was a bit overwhelming. I think in the first the first few weeks, first few months, mm-hmm. and um, secondly was the the system was like you mentioned, just coming from a part five to to the Ivy League system. The admission system was incredibly different. The financial aid system incredibly different. Um, just. Uh, uh, I think the, the, the relations with the players, the, the type of uh, schedule, the daily schedule, the weekly schedule, the management of the players, the communication with the players, I think was, 
was was very very different and something that that it took me it took me a while certainly to to get adjusted to and 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 become educated on mm-hmm. um and same thing like i i did before i tried to reach out to to several coaches here and and learn as much as as possible from them and um um yeah that was there was there was things like dealing yeah. with the alumni uh you know having you know being at a program that is heavily uh supported by the the alumni was was something new to me and uh something that that i had to to put a lot of time and, and effort into understanding the dynamic of of that process and and the relationships with uh with the people that that were so instrumental to 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 the life of the program mm-hmm. yeah so you you went about then you know learning those things growing as a head coach um i know you you had uh you know, a, a lot of challenges with, with players, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, mis- misfortune really with losing players. I think you had some players that were in a bad car accident and, um, you know, you, you've dealt with a lot, I know, uh, since becoming a head coach. And uh, that's why I'm so happy for, for you know, your recent success and, and uh, your high ranking right now, because I know how much you've grinded, how you've had some, some great teams in place, but for one reason or another, um, those players haven't been always able to be get on the court. But um, so, so you did a great job there, Cornell. Um, and then a few years in, University of Oklahoma head coaching job opens up, I think about three and a half years ago. And uh, I know how much you love OU. You are like the biggest OU fan and I've ever come across. And I lived there for eight years, but you absolutely <laughs> bleed uh, the University of Oklahoma. And um, so the job opens up. Um, they recognize what an amazing job you've done at Cornell how instrumental you were at at, uh, at at OU for for the success that they had there, and they offer you the job, yet you turn it down. Why? Um, that was arguably the toughest decision that I've ever had to make in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love OU, I still do, and I would love OU forever. I mean, it's it's I, it's been the place that has given me the best opportunity in in my lifetime you know and uh, has has single-handedly changed the the course of my life so i would always be grateful for that and for obviously for the opportunity to to be an assistant coach there for that many years and and to be part of that team um when when the opportunity came about i was thrilled uh i wasn't i wasn't um necessarily confident that i will get that chance i knew that it was one of the best teams like they were john john did some amazing things they were number one in in the country i think the the at the time and uh they made three consecutive finals um i didn't know i didn't believe that they were gonna they were gonna give me the the chance and um i was very surprised when when that happened and um thrilled at the same time but what what ultimately ended up happening it was it, it, it wasn't necessarily a a personal decision it was a family decision um uh, both myself and and my wife we we sat down and we spoke uh, at length about this i think we took two two full days and went back and forth into conversations and and we we realized that the 
you know, the current state of our family and the situation that we're in was, was a very healthy one and it was a very, very uh, good one from, from so many different standpoints. And I think this is something that many people, I don't know if they take into consideration uh, when, when considering jobs and um, just the uh, college tennis athletics in general is just the, uh, the amount of time and effort stress that, that goes into uh, doing this job as, as well as you can. And, and we felt like this, this was healthy for, for all of us. My, my wife loves the Ithaca. She loves the community here. She, she loves the job that she currently has. Um, our kids were doing great. The schools that, that they're going to were fantastic. And, and it felt, it felt like, you know, having, having the, the, the support of, of uh, my administration and, and running this program, the alumni were getting more and more involved and, and, uh, and the players that, that we had at the time, like we, we just brought in some, some wonderful players and some, some players that we developed some incredible bonds in the recruiting process. And, and together it was, it wasn't a, a one single element that, that, that prevented me from going there. It was just so many elements that added together. It, it, it felt at the time that, um, you know, staying here would would be the better thing for for our for our entire family, and and so it was it was a you know it was a heartbreaking decision. It was not easy. Um, I I thought about it many many times afterwards, and uh, I knew just you know getting a chance to coach at at the university like Oklahoma was a once in a lifetime opportunity, and. Um, it wasn't, it was, it was the, you know, like, like I said, the toughest decision that I've ever had to make. And, um, but, but in the end, um, I, I thought this is the best thing for, for our family and the healthiest things for, mm-hmm. for our family. And so we, we decided to stay. And, um, I, I think, you know, um, I, I think it's, it, you know, we were growing where I think our girls are developing, um, they're healthy. They're they're doing great. They 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 love their school. Uh, my wife still you know loves her her job here, and so I, I feel like it's, we we are in an amazing place. And mm-hmm. you know we have uh, um, there's something that I never dreamed of to 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 have a chance to coach at at an Ivy League institution. I mm-hmm. never thought that would that would ever be possible. So mm-hmm. to be here and and be able to to provide this this opportunity for my family as well as the the players that we're working with i think it's it's something that's incredibly incredibly special yeah well 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 done silvio i I know a lot of people say they put their family first and and uh you know the and and i think everybody has the intention of doing that but but you really followed through and, and i know it was a family family decision or, or influenced greatly uh, by the family and, and you truly did put the family first. So, so well done uh, on that and, and uh, yeah, proud of you for doing so. Uh, I know it was a tough decision, but so, so can you maybe tell us how you've evolved as a, as a head coach in, in more recent years? How, how do you think maybe you're different today than, than how you were five years ago or, or are you? Sure. I, I think, I, I, I certainly believe I am. Um, Two things I would I would say to that. Uh, one is mistakes. You know, I, I made plenty of mistakes, um, mm-hmm. but I've always I always try to to learn from them, and I always try to avoid making. I mean, um, doing them again. And I made you know plenty of mistakes in all all you know with 
with with the players, with the recruiting, with the admission, with the alumni. And I think I think in every single facet of of running the program, I I certainly made numerous mistakes. And um, but I'm at the same time I'm not ignoring any of them. I'm trying to to learn from each each one of those mistakes, and I'm trying to to correct and 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 do a better job next time. And I and I think that that certainly has has shaped me, has has helped me evolve as as a person and and certainly as a coach. And then learning, you know, constantly learning. Like I'm 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 so grateful to be in this environment and be surrounded by some of the brightest minds of of this generation. And uh, whether it's the the students, whether it's the professors, and um, I I try to learn from them. And I think there's there's so many valuable lessons that are applicable to to my job. Ultimately, I, I feel like it's not just a matter of us teaching shots. I think it's life. What we do, it's 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 something that is so powerful and so impactful for for someone's future. And I'm trying to to learn as much as possible. And con- constantly learn. Like whether I'm reading, whether I'm talking to uh, other coaches, uh, professors, and and I'm I'm always interested in, in doing things better and whatever whatever i can do to to improve them i'm i'm i'm, I'm trying to do my absolute best in in, in learning that that process mm-hmm. yeah and and what what are some of the steps that you you take to learning and are you is that through uh, reading is it through uh, classes there? Is it speaking with um, alumni that, that are maybe in certain industries that you feel like there's some, some crossover? Is it, you know, listening to podcasts? Is it something else? What, how, how do you go about learning? Um, one of the things that I've, I've decided to do uh, recently is to, to actually attend, uh, attend at least one class a semester and, and do my best, you know, giving the, mm-hmm the how strenuous the job is just to give myself a chance to attend one one class that i would i would think it's it's relevant to to what i'm doing so um i've i've done them for the, this last couple of years uh talking to professors certainly like talking to professors in areas that i mean where they're doing research in areas that that i think are uh are important to to my communication and my my management of the players um or, or the alumni for that matter. Certainly talking to alumni, and I think we have uh, uh, a group of people, a group of alumni that are, that are so successful, and I think there's so much, so 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 much learning that I can I can do from them, and and I've reached out to them, and uh, for, you know obviously to, to to have them support the team, but at the same time to to learn from their from from learn from their experience. Um, I remember a few years ago we had uh, a conversation with uh, the CEO of Chevron, uh, mm-hmm. who, was, who was a Cornell alumni, and he was the CEO of Chevron for 10 years, and and I've learned so much from from him. And um, and then uh, again, other coaches, other coaches. I think there's like right now we have the, the hockey team is the number one now number one team in the country, and wow. uh, Mike Schaefer, our hockey coach, I think he's doing a phenomenal job. Uh, our wrestling team has been ranked as high as uh, two or three in the country, and uh, Rob Cole is also doing a, a phenomenal job. And I went and reached out to him and tried to to learn about how he's running the program. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, constantly also, I, I've, I've, I'm still in close touch with John Roddick, and I still reach out to him for advice and. 
um, all the other coaches that I've mentioned, you know, I, mm-hmm. I Josh Goffey, every time I have a chance to talk to him at this Kalamazoo, I always reach out to him and talk to him or Chuck Creasy and, uh, or Brian Boland. And I think this, the lessons don't stop. And I, I don't think, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they're, you only use those lessons as an assistant coach. I think there's plenty for me to learn still from, from, from how coaches go about things, um, at this very moment. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think that that pursuit should, should never end for, you know, that, that pursuit should always be nourished. Well, I think that's a great place to, to end it, Silvio. Um, I think the, myself and, and all the coaches listening have, have learned a great deal from you today. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast and, and uh, wish you all the lo- best of luck with the, with the rest of the season. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Silvio. Thanks as always for listening, coaches. Be sure to check out some of the previous episodes if you've not done so already. We release these podcasts every couple of weeks, so expect another one soon.